passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. We are live. It is rewind to raw time. I am John Pollock joined by waiting. Hello, way. Hi, John. How you doing? I am ready for a very busy week ahead. I'm I'm looking forward to the week that we start off Monday and say, this week is going to have nothing. There's nothing this weekend. It's going to be quiet. We can just go on autopilot this week. That's the week I'm looking forward to. When's that going to happen? Never. Never. Um, no, I think we'll just slowly just get used to the pace. I mean, if we haven't already, you know, it wasn't that long ago when, when it was just Raw and SmackDown that were our weekly shows. Uh, there was a time where we just reviewed Raw and I guess like the like impact occasionally. But, you know, now now the schedule is pretty much a, a daily thing. So we're just going to get used to it. How was your weekend? Weekend was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It was still, um, you know, just kind of coming down from the pre- previous week. So. I'm actually helping a friend out with um his wedding, so I did some of that over the weekend, and that's why I'll be missing SummerSlam. So, uh, it was it was good overall. How about you? Uh, I I had a pretty uh, it was a pretty busy weekend. There was a lot of stuff going on. However, uh, I went swimming on on Sunday, local oh. pool, nice with the family. That was a, that was a fun time. Cool, cool. Get, Enjoy. Th- there's no age restriction to going down like a giant water slide. That that's always a fun time. Yeah, unless you're like seventy nine, like no, you can still do it. You can still do it. I, if I yeah. make it to seventy nine, I'm going down one of those tubes when I'm you know frail and being held together by super glue. Okay, if well, I'm gonna go, I'll go on a water slide. That's that'll be it. It wouldn't be such a bad way. Yeah, no, it's uh it's really hot right now in the city, and and a pool sounds pretty great. I mean, I'm gonna be doing some of that tomorrow myself, actually. Are you noticing an extra amount of humidity in the city? Like I've walked out some days and dude, it's, it's not, it's not Las Vegas level humidity, but it's at a level that I'm not comfortable with in Toronto of just, it's typically hot, but it's the humidity that is just brutal. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's humidity or if it's just the heat that I, I feel, but it's certainly a bit of a heat wave. Well, I know everyone uh, wants to get their updates on the Toronto weather, but we are going to soldier through. It's a big weekend. It's SummerSlam week here at Post Wrestling that we will have lots of coverage for. Uh, just some highlights of the week ahead. We are going to have Friday night, a big edition of Rewind, a SmackDown Rampage first dance at the United Center. 
as Wei and I will be reviewing both SmackDown and Rampage and whatever happens at the United Center. So if you are a Post Wrestling Cafe member and uh, welcome to those that have uh, jumped aboard the Post Wrestling Cafe train over the last couple of days, we will be live Friday night, 1015 Eastern. Saturday night, it is the debut of John and Kate plus Nate as we will be presenting the SummerSlam post-show. Wei Ting is off to another wedding, not his own mm. this time. He will be uh, he will be missed on Saturday, but in his place, we have two very capable uh, co-hosts in Kate and Nate Milton. So I'm looking forward to that Saturday night. Me too. I'm looking forward to it. And from what I understand, um, our listeners, our double-double patrons at least, will be able to tune in live and even call in. That, that is show, right. right. That's right. I'm going to be I'm going to be manning the call. So get ready, folks. Bring it. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday night, Brandon Davey will be live after takeover NXT takeover. Are you aware of this? There is a takeover on Sunday night. I believe I am aware. Yeah, um, it, it will be an interesting one. I'm sure, you know, takeovers are typically the places where we get maybe some new direction, maybe even some uh, surprises in the crowd. I don't know about this one. There, there's certainly going to be some curiosity attached to what the future of NXT may be. And we may see see that determined on this show. It'll certainly be an interesting show regardless uh, coming up on Sunday night. So they will have you covered. And of course, for patrons, we've got a new MCU later dropping on Thursday with Way and WH Park. And Tuesday, the very much anticipated follow-up. It's Pollock and Ting Talk, Volume Two, yeah, volume two, man, um, a, a great demand for for the return of talk. This time, from what I understand, John, I mean, uh, I think much of the conversation might be around post profile, the making of who is Wei Ting. If you ever wanted the director's commentary for the audio documentary, this is it. And who knows, maybe, maybe even a surprise appearance on the show. Maybe, maybe. Uh, I, I certainly would love to get a sense of maybe some of your incredible investigative work, you know, because I have no idea how you found out some of the information that you found out about me. So all of that is coming up this week. The schedule can be found at postwrestling.com. You can join the cafe, postwrestlingcafe.com. From this past weekend, we've got a post-pro res with myself and WH Park going through the uh, New Japan Resurgence show, as well as getting up to date on all the major news items over uh, the past little while. So that is up for everybody to go check out. Always great to catch up with one WH Park because uh, it's been a minute. The last one I missed, you had to fill in way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were kind of there. It was your notes. You know, you were there in spirit, but it was nice to hear the two of you back together and hearing uh, some of both of your takes on the New Japan show over the weekend. And uh, and thanks to everybody that checked out the interview with uh, Ariel Hawani that we put up uh, late last week. He returned today with the MMA Hour, and I I swooped in, and at the point I checked in, this had over like 12,000 people watching this on YouTube. 12,000 live? Wow, that's a that's a huge. Are you sorry? Are you talking about like after the fact or live? Live. Wow, that's huge. That's yeah. I mean, you know, and to be expected, obviously, to for Aero Hawani, especially after such a long delay. You know, maybe maybe the CM Punk of the MMA reporting world. Yes. Well, there you go, everybody. Uh, a great interview with Ariel. If you want to go check that out uh, from a couple of days back here at the site. Lots of news to get into, so let us uh, not waste any time. 
Rampage debuted on Friday night with 740,000 viewers doing a 0.31 in the 18 to 49 demographic. 396,000 viewers is uh, what that translated to. So just to get a comparison point, when they did run those four Friday night shows, the first hour averaged 562,000 viewers. So this was significantly above uh, those levels and doing uh, over 100,000 more in the 18 to 49 demo than they had been doing. Those did have NBA competition that this did not. Um, But this was the number three show on cable. They were only uh, behind the NFL uh, preseason game. So they came out. I thought this was a really strong number. I had predicted 710 to 715, and I thought that would be viewed as a as a good number. They hit 740, and I think they're going to top this on Friday. Oh, yeah, I would think so, too. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to think about how important people saw this one, whether or not they even remembered the fact that this brand new show was debuting on a Friday. You know, this one coming up on is certainly, I think, far more hyped, but it's it's the level of hype that I would say mainly just exists within the niche world because they've been so subtle and so vague about cm punk's appearance that i cm punk isn't being too vague about it any longer but nonetheless you 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 have to follow cm punk on social media like i'm just thinking about the laps fan who stopped paying attention to wrestling altogether how aware are they that you know what potentially could go down on friday will go down and is that the difference between you know 740 and I don't know, 900 or even even a million for that Friday night. Yeah, I, I mean, God, uh, going over 900 would be very impressive for a, for a Friday night. Um, it feels big on on Monday. And I think by Friday, I think there's going to be so much buzz for, for that show and the realization that AEW has all but said that Punk is going to be there. I think it, this is as much, they've gone as far as they can without flat out stating it. And I think the promotion has been really smart the way they have gone about it. It's they're not trying to outwit the fans. They are putting these breadcrumbs and leading you to what you want and creating that anticipation. So we'll see uh, how much of a payoff, like it's going to be a big show on Friday. The question will be how big, because this could represent their, their high mark for the first iteration of rampage of what kind of an audience can you attract on a Friday night? Because there's not too many CM punks coming back to wrestling that you can, that you can, Pull that up your from out of your back pocket. Um, SmackDown on Friday night did 2,084,000 viewers, 746,000 in the demo. So they were uh, they were the number one show on Friday night and their fifth week in a row topping 2 million viewers uh, in Canada. It ended up streaming because of tennis coverage. So it did not air until midnight that night. So they only did 40,000 viewers from midnight to 2 a.m. Not really an indicative number of the popularity of the show, but the U.S. number way, uh, they continued to be above uh, 2 million. This was a slight decrease from the week before, but SmackDown continues to, I think, certainly benefit from the John Cena factor, but it's also a show that, I mean, it is, you know, staying at this mark. And we've said it many times, I think post Cena, uh, we will see if SmackDown is able to keep this foundation of 2 million viewers that they've had for the entire run since Cena's come back, even when Cena's not been on the show. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, and do we know if Cena's leaving right away? Well, we know he's going to be on that Madison Square Garden show in a few weeks. So there will be, at minimum, one post-SummerSlam appearance. 
Mm, okay. Well, um, beyond that, you know, like who are the the pillars that you know you see leading SmackDown into the fall? I mean, Roman continues to be there. Sasha continues to be there. Um, is that enough to maintain? Yeah, I mean, you have you have Sasha back certainly. I think that when you're looking at a challenger for Reigns, I mean, they they seem to be focusing on Seth Rollins. Like that seems to be a program they're going towards. Although, I mean, he's a very clear cut heel at the moment. It doesn't quite work with Reigns, but that does seem to be somebody that they're at least priming for that position and have been hinting at that program throughout the summer and hence the edge program. And Baron Corbin with the briefcase. Let's not forget about that. I mean, I don't, I don't want to completely over uh, understate the fact that you do have a Corbin that now has a really interesting detour to this story now that he has uh, committed theft. Corbin reigns, maybe. Huge. Uh, also, a note for Canadians is that a Takeover is listed for Sportsnet 360 once again this Sunday. They've done this the last two Takeovers, so. If you don't have the network, looks like you'll have no problem watching it on Sportsnet 360 on Sunday night and live too. And I'm sure the people um, who wouldn't have been aware, other unless hearing from you, John, appreciate you, uh, dude. I found this out. Know. Okay, it's not like I, there was some <laughs> press release sent out to me or anything. Like I just, uh, you know, while I was looking for SMC footage, uh, came across this uh, Sportsnet 360 listing for Sunday Nothing night. Nothing so. gets past this guy if it's up there. If it's wrestling related, John Pollock will find out. Um, you know, Resurgence and uh, Triple Mania went on over the weekend. I I already went through the show for Resurgence uh, with WH and Triple Mania. I got to see a, a portion of the show, but the big angle coming out of it way was Will Ospreay showing up at Resurgence. It looks like he is going to be focused on New Japan Strong for the foreseeable future. They announced a bunch of U.S. dates for the fall in uh, Dallas and Fort Worth. Philadelphia, and some California dates with a big show in San Jose. Uh, But the angle, I mean, it just seems like there was a lot of buzz coming out for New Japan Strong. Instead of this just being a a fun throwaway show, they shot a lot of angles. And I think that there's, for the first time, real momentum behind New Japan Strong. And New Japan itself, you know, like to me, this is some of the most exciting stuff that's happening associated with that New Japan logo um, since the start of the pandemic. You know, like all these shows, I and mean, we'll probably talk a little bit about New Japan and in, 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 uh, in Japan itself. Um, no, it's a, it's a mess right now. We will get to that. Yes. Yeah, but you know, as far as like coming, you know, the events coming out of this show, every it felt like several segments had major talking points coming out of it, and the mixing of talents. The most exciting wrestling that's occurring right now in the world is, you know, on U.S. soil in the intermingling of all of these different promotions, and now to interject potentially you know a will osprey into that mix um with with mentions of AEW in that promo jay white mentioning AEW in his promo the idea that all of these guys can now be in play with potentially a cm punk a brian danielson and kenny omega and everybody else that's out there in this ecosystem that is playing with each, with each other for the first time is incredibly exciting and makes at least new japan us relevant to the to the overall conversation and with Triple Mania, um, to me, the the moment that got the most attention was Ric Flair appearing in the corner of Andrade El Idolo and then learning afterwards that uh, Charlotte Flair was also backstage. And Andrade did an interview with SI.com noting that Charlotte had requested this weekend off two and a half months ago. And she was advertised for house shows over the weekend. So 
not only was Charlotte not at the house shows, but on both nights, uh, neither Bianca Belair or Sasha Banks were on the shows. All they stated was that they were not on due to unforeseen circumstances. And there's been no follow-up uh, since then. WWE has not stated anything. I think naturally people are going to be looking at what what is the status of this match for SummerSlam. Although they did advertise it in the rundown tonight on Raw. But I think if there's an angle to be done, they're going to wait till uh, Friday. But that's certainly a question mark going into the weekend. So there were several uh, appearances not happening at the house shows over the weekend. Uh, WWE has announced uh, most of their live events for the rest of the year. This includes, uh, they're going to go to Puerto Rico on October 2nd for a super show. You want to go? Sam Um, um, Probably not. November 21st and 22nd, they're doing back-to-back nights at the Barclays Center, which will be Survivor Series and Raw the next night. And then their December pay-per-view will be in Chicago at the Allstate Arena. As that city, they are going to pump every wrestling dollar out of that market between the end of this year. They are just squeezing that towel dry of every available dollar. Like, that city is just, that market, I should say, has just been overrun by wrestling uh, in this last half of the year. You know, I mean, of of all the cities in the U.S., I suppose that's one of the ones that you can run as many shows as you can in, in there. Um, certainly, you know, and they'll probably do very well for a pay per view there in in that market. I like, I mean, it's the city responds well, so I don't even think they're going to struggle all that much. Uh, it does look like the well, at least on their schedule. There is nothing beyond December 20th, which would be a a Raw on a Monday night, until that New Year's Eve edition of SmackDown, which they confirmed over the weekend. So they will be doing a live show on New Year's Eve in Charlotte, North Carolina. The final SmackDown of the year, right before we do a pay-per-view on New Year's Day, on the Saturday. Well, you know, somebody needs a reason to, to check these shows out. I mean, what else would people do on that day? Yeah, I I don't think New Year's Day is a tough day to run. New Year's Eve, um, I mean, maybe it's a fun thing to do, but uh, going to a live uh, pro wrestling event on, I mean, you're you're well, out of there by with plenty of time before midnight, so it's not as though it's uh, cutting into your midnight plans. Yeah, I mean, depending on who you're going with, you know, if you're going with a bunch of other wrestling fr- friends and you want to celebrate New Year's with them that night, like it could actually, like in Japan, they actually do the countdown in the venue, and if they packaged it as some sort of party where you get the countdown with like the the performers and whatnot, it, it would actually be really fun. But it's not really part of the culture, I suppose. Here to go on to, TV, like, a show. I don't think this is going to do well at all. Like I, I, I would be more. Um, I think honestly, Christmas Eve, you have a better chance of attracting an audience than you do New Year's Eve, especially this year of all years where I think people have, they didn't get New Year's last year, probably. So I think there's going to be hmm. such a, an amount of people that do not want to be home on New Year's Eve, but there will be a live SmackDown happening that night. Uh, let's shift on over to, uh, Way mentioned it, uh, all the issues going on in New Japan. So over the weekend, they had a show in uh, Shizuoka and announced that Shingo Takagi and Bushi were off uh, with both men contracting fevers, and we're going to undergo PCR tests. So they are off the shows and while their results are pending, and then they announced Monday that several performers are off due to contact tracing, including Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, Evil, Yujiro, 
Ghetto, and Dick Togo. So eight in total uh, affected by this. Uh, Monday show also featured a show turning on Yo in the uh, Super Junior Tag League tournament. So uh, a big angle there. And this goes into Tuesday's show, which will see the wrap-up of the Super Junior Tag League tournament, where it's essentially down to three teams with uh, Ishimori and El Fantasmo, who have been undefeated so far. They're taking on Desperado and Kenamaru, while Tiger Mask and Robbie Eagles, who are still alive, are taking on Taguchi and Master Wato. And my assumption would be that it comes down to the final match where Desperado and Kanemaru are the lone team to get a win over the champions, and it sets up your challengers. It wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for Ishimori and Phantasmo to just run the table here and win and have no challengers set. But getting back to the more uh, pressing issues, there's these issues that New Japan are facing. Stardom uh, has several performers that are isolating due to contact tracing, and they've canceled uh, their shows Saturday and Sunday. So uh, wrestling shows are certainly getting hit. New Japan is still moving forward, but, I mean, eight people... And we've seen these lineups, Way They do not have eight people to spare. These were thin lineups to begin with without taking out the likes of Naito and Shingo Takagi among those eight. Yeah, unfortunately, things over there, you know, for that company just feels like they're just going from bad to worse. You know, still no update on Kota Ibushi, of course. Yeah, he's not um, on any of these shows. And yeah, like you're already already dealing with half a deck and now to take out you know some of your major names from these shows i just i just don't know what sort of people would be enticed to you know go to go to them you know like you're you're already seeing you're creatively booking wise you're not really bringing in any new people the ideas themselves don't really feel like feel new the matchups themselves don't feel new so um i feel for them absolutely but i think at some point um it's you know, playing within your limitations is also something that I would like to see. And I I just haven't really seen that much creativity in New Japan. So after Tuesday, they have a whole week off. And then they're running four straight nights at Korakuen Hall beginning next Tuesday. It's crazy. Like, really is. You know, at what, what point do they cancel? Can they afford to? Um, it's It just seems like they're they're in a pretty bad way. Yeah, and we still don't have complete lineups for... The Russell Grand Slam shows, which all of a sudden are just a few weeks away. I mean, this is this oh, as I said on Sunday's show with WH, this is the most appropriately lit named tour for New Japan. It absolutely is. I just um you know, like the G one usually, John, is something that is uh usually a highlight for us every year. And um, you know, that's about a month away and I I I, I wonder how many I think the air is out of around. a lot of people's sales. Like when you're looking at the lineups and you hear like Osprey announcing he's not going to be in it. That's a huge blow to that tournament. Um, yeah. We, we don't know what's going on with, with Kota Bushi. I, I mean, you know, that's, you know, you hope that he's recovering. Uh, but, you know, when you see all of the talent that's over here for New Japan Strong, like, I don't think anyone's expecting these people to be going back for the G1. Um, they did make the announcement that there will be live, in-person English commentary for every show. So presumably... Um, that means that at least they will have their, their English team over there because they did emphasize in person. So Kevin Kelly will be making the trip. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah. So okay. that goes September 18th to October the 20th. And we'll see what the lineups look like for the G1. Uh, just before we uh, move on over to Raw, uh, I thought this card is worth repeating. So PWG is coming back September 26th. This lineup looks incredible. Bandito against Davey Richards is your main event for the PWG World Championship. 
Malachi Black and Brody King against Demonic Flamita and Black Taurus. Jonathan Gresham versus Alex Shelley, which sounds amazing. Dante Martin, Alex Zane, the former Ari Sterling, and Jack Cartwheel, who made a big impression on the last show, taking on Jake Atlas. Um, that's the first date he's had announced since the NXT release. Trey Miguel and Myron Reed. That is going to blow the roof off that place. AJ Gray is making his PWG debut against JD Drake and Lee Moriarty in a three-way. Dragon Lee and Laredo Kid against Aramis and Ray Orus. And opening things will be Evil Uno against Tony Deppen. That is an incredible lineup. It looks awesome. And um, I'm sure it'll be great um, three months later when you'll eventually get to see it. This is going to be a DVD for everybody to seek out uh, months down the road. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, these lineups always look great, but by the time they come out, I just I don't know how much buzz they they get anymore. But you know, that's it's PWG. It's a live experience, and if you're lucky enough to be able to travel there to watch one of these shows, um, I mean, tell us how it is. You know, I I have not had this feeling for any wrestling card, but if I lived within driving distance, this would be the show that I think I would be realistically looking at it and being, if things are, if I felt okay, if I was even on the fence, this would be the one where it would be really pushing me to go to a live show. This would be totally. it for sure. Absolutely. It looks yeah. like an incredible card. And uh, the final things are NXT on Tuesday, the go-home show for TakeOver has Kushida versus Roderick Strong for the Cruiserweight title, MSK against Imperium for the tag titles, and the breakout semifinals between Carmelo Hayes and Duke Hudson while AEW on Wednesday in Houston has the Young Bucks against Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus for the tag belts, Sting, who they are advertising the first match on TNT in over 20 years, uh, teaming with Darby Allin against 2.0. The That's match more... nobody expected this year. That would be the last match you expected this year. I mean, some some people on that roster haven't res- haven't weren't born when Sting last wrestled on TNT. Julia Hart was not born. The last time Sting wrestled on TNT. That should have been in the press release. That's it, yeah. Well, he's doing it to because it's not it's not good enough to know who Sting was. You want to teach the young people who Sting is. Chris Jericho versus MJF, where the Judas effect is banned, and so is the theme music. And my God, they have literally posted the lyrics, and they <laughs> are just... Leading everyone. They want to have this moment where Jericho walks out and the entire arena sings a song. And I think this is going to be a success. I think so, too. I think this crowd is going to be up for the challenge and will be able to pull this off. And AEW is aggressively pushing this. Yeah, yeah. As are the performers. How many people in that venue? Um, WrestleTix has, I think, around 4,000, give or take. Okay. Can you get 4,000 people in sync at the same time? Will, they, will you at least play have a metronome there, uh, AEW? You know, and give these guys a hand, because I think that's the biggest challenge. How, how Let's be honest. If sync? they're out of sync, it will still be memorable. I <laughs> want to see the attempt. Sure. Okay, they're going to try something great. Sammy Guevara against Sean Spears, along with an announcement by Guevara. And in the main event, Dan Lambert returns to Dynamite. Yeah. Well, I thought that, I mean, that was supposed to be last week, I guess. They and then they pushed it. it. Yeah. Who who is this mythical person? That's uh, that's his backup that he's bringing. He I said two know. two UFC champions. Okay, well so we'll, we'll see. find out. All right, all of your news can be found at postwrestling.com. Some great stories uh, from Andrew Thompson today, going through a whole lot of stuff. Uh, so he put up a lot of stuff today on the site. Go check out all of his fine work. 
And we now move to San Antonio, Texas, the AT&T Center for the go-home edition of Raw for SummerSlam. Randy Orton starts things off stating he does not need friends when he reminded us of the RKO angle that ended Raw and that everyone has been asking him all week why he did it. He owes no one an explanation, and he calls Omos, his opponent tonight, a monster and a bit of a jackass. Riddle comes out, and he assumes that the reason he was RKO'd is that Orton was teaching him the proper technique of how to execute the RKO. AJ and Omos came out, and AJ says, How about RKO? about it? Oof. He calls Riddle a turd, and a challenge is made and accepted, taking us to AJ Styles and Riddle to open things up. I mean, the dialogue, I think, was um, about the level that we've come to expect from Raw. Um, I don't know, shit, like, shit that reads well on a greeting card, I suppose. Like, how about RK No? Happy birthday, Randy. (laughs) Good one, AJ. Good one. Yeah, um, it's completely not realistic um, type of banter that I think you would expect in in person. But you know, that's just that's how the show is made. It's just it's all dialogue that takes place on paper from people who just um, and people who can't necessarily deliver it convincingly. You know, what I got out of, the, out of this segment was that they they seem to last week's RKO. I think we all pretty much just kind of wrote off as like, oh, they are back together. Like, Randy RKOing Riddle was just like, ah, oh, that's just Randy being Randy. You know, Riddle was smiling. The world is is good again. I thought that was already enough confirmation enough that they were back together. I think seeing this episode, um, last week was actually meant to draw a lot more, maybe, dissent and questions than perhaps we had expected. So, um, we're starting back from at least that point tonight. Yes, they wanted to take you on a three-hour ride before they got to the destination. So AJ and Riddle had, I mean, their usual match that it, they went 10 minutes, 51 seconds. This included a splattle by Riddle. Splattle. Yes. It's a wrestling technique that Jimmy Smith hmm. uh, instantly p- picked up on when it was mentioned. Uh, series of PKs by Riddle. The senton misses and the calf crushes applied. He's working on the knee of Riddle. And there's a floating bro, but it stopped after Omos stares at Riddle and this completely freezes Riddle, who is hit with a Styles clash out of the corner. Styles pins Riddle, and they ask if Randy had been out here tonight, would that have changed the outcome? Randy never came for Riddle. He walked out on him after the opening segment. Pretty good match, as you would expect from these two. Really cool entry into the Styles clash at the end, and uh, carries on the story. Nikki Ash is in the back, and. I think they put in a tape every week of her promo the first week she did a backstage interview, and it's just the same promo. <laughs> every, you think so? She wears this outfit for herself and everyone who's just like her. Having confidence in what you're trying to achieve brings out the best in yourself, and I have the confidence I can beat Rhea Ripley and keep the title this Saturday. Man, like after all these weeks, you know, after like, I would. I would at least say some questionable reaction to the character at house shows. You would think that they would tinker with with these promos a little bit, you know, like maybe mature them a little bit, give them at least a little bit more depth. 
but it really is the same shallow, you know, like rah rah, super corny. I I think I can type of promo you you keep getting from this character, and perhaps it is genuinely created for children, but I think anybody above the age of twelve would find this extremely detestable, like so much so that this is the type of character that I thought for sure that they were turning into a heel by cutting. Like she wouldn't have to do a thing if she wanted to turn heel. All she would have to do is keep cutting this exact same type of promo. You know, like we see, I think there are ways to tell the story of an inspirational person who struggles with inner confidence that'll appeal to both young and old. And Hangman Page is a very similar story, but you know, it's not like you have to have imagine him doing this promo with his beer. (laughs) I no. drink this beer because it gives me the confidence to achieve and bring out the best in myself. And I have the confidence to beat Kenny Omega and win the title at the next pay-per-view. And that's why I wear this cowboy outfit for everyone that wants to be <laughs> just like me, a cowboy that's not just riding a horse, but is riding his dreams. And it's not the sunset. It's the goal. And it's the road that has been paved that is the true destination, and that's what I'm doing because I'm almost a cowboy. <laughs> Bravo. Um, yeah, I don't think that would work so well, you know, unfortunately. And I'm not, not saying Nikki needs to, like, you know, start drinking or, like, yell superhero shit or whatever. But I definitely think there's a creative middle ground there that will satisfy all of your audiences. And this Nikki thing is, I think, a turnoff for a big chunk of it. They showed Olympic gold medalist. Keldon Johnson, who I looked up how old this guy was, and it's uh, this is just going to be the new thing where I just I just feel old here. This dude, wait, he was born. Do you remember the Heroes of Wrestling pay per view? Oh yeah, he was born the day after. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, a lot can happen in in that time. Um, yeah, you can become an Olympic gold medalist in basketball and get. Drafted by and play for the Spurs. I feel like most of the athletes in the Olympics are around that age. Yeah, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, yeah. you know, twenty five. Your your days are over. Some sports, yeah. Young twenties. It's the prime. Riddle is looking all dejected in the back. He didn't give up on RK Bro, but tonight he was left alone. And I'm just sad, man. I'm just sad. Nikki Ash versus Rhea Ripley. Charlotte Flair came out for commentary and the audience for SummerSlam grew to 55,000 people here by Charlotte Flair. What is it? That's quite the inflation. They're at, um, they're at over like 41,000 tickets. Like it's a huge audience that they they have for Saturday. They will probably announce 55. Oh, they might announce 85 for all we know, but the real number will be somewhere lower. Uh, There's a tornado DDT by Nikki that allows Charlotte to say she almost won. And Rhea really won when she hit a riptide and pinned the champion without any problem in eight minutes and 24 seconds. And Byron Saxton announced that Rhea has earned a seat on the momentum train. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, one, of, one of many uh, pinfalls that these uh, participants in the three-way took tonight. And I will give everyone a recap of the buildup to this three-way at the end of the night from the last pay-per-view to this one. It has been oh. insanity, okay? I, I, I could not care about any of these people winning or losing on Saturday. Oh, I look forward to that, John, later on in this episode. But um, it's we knew this would happen the moment that they put the belt on somebody who is not credible at all, like a Nikki Cross. They will job the shit out of her. You know, like it happens with anybody who holds the money in the bank. They have them lose every match basically because it's okay. They've got the money in the bank. As long as at the in the end they're holding this belt, we're supposed to think of them as somebody special. But it doesn't really work that way, especially when you're somebody who is already holding the belt. To continue to lose and only win on the specific day where the belt is actually on the line, technically you're the champion. But to me, that's like the definition of a paper champion. You're somebody who on paper is a champion, but nobody sees you actually as that person. You're not the best because you happen to win on this day. You're the best because you can win any single day. And they've continually told us that Nikki Cross is not, is far from that. Almost. All three fought in the ring, and then suddenly Nikki and Rhea are pairing up together, and they send Charlotte Flair to the floor, who had to do all this physicality in heels and looked very uncomfortable to have to do all of this. But that was our segment. More to come with the women. We were not done on this go-home show. Jinder Mahal gave a pep talk to Veer and Shanky, who have been sitting under his learning tree, and tonight is their last chance to take Drew's sword. Because without Angela... Drew will crumble at SummerSlam. This man who has apparently never had the real one up until recently, who ascended the ranks, now without this real sword, he will crumble. So that is what Veer and Shanky are out to do tonight. Tonight was all about stealing props, whether they be swords, dolls, momentum. That's what tonight was about. Theft. I mean, I mean that's what wrestling is, isn't it? Stealing people's shit. So that they have a disadvantage. <laughs> yes. Kevin Patrick interviewed MVP, who said that Goldberg disrespected them with the spear the last time he was here. He's going to get his payback. Drew McIntyre made short work of Veer and Shanky. We had stipulations here where if Veer and Shanky lose, they are banned from ringside. But if Drew loses, Angela must stay in the back. Right. Yeah, um, sure. Worthy trade. Um, yeah. Drew hit a Michinoku driver on Shanky, and the future shock to Veer does the countdown, pin Shanky after the Claymore in 332. So Veer goes after the sword. He's hit with a belly-to-belly, and Drew announces that Jinder will not have his goons with him on Saturday. He mock interviews Shanky, makes fun of him, Tells Jinder, you screwed me over at Money in the Bank. You also mischaracterized my text and cost me my last chance at the title. I've known you for over 10 years. I know where to hurt you. I will embarrass you and it will live forever before he pulled the crowd who probably were thinking this show now has 10 matches and I think this one is going to be very quick. That's what I took from this. He will humiliate Jinder and beat him in like three seconds. 
I, you know, I certainly hope so because um, I think the fact that it's even on the show is really unnecessary. And I, I think when they announced this pairing, a lot of us thought, okay, well, this will be a TV match at best, and then Drew's going to get his real opponent at SummerSlam, or he might not be on the show at all. They're actually doing this on SummerSlam, and at this point, you might as well. Um, but there's no need for this match to go beyond the two-minute mark at all. Um, maybe he'll stab him. Uh, that w- that would be very hard to follow if you had a, a stabbing in the ring. That would that would not be embarrassing. That would be um, that would be attempted murder. Sure, there's a way to do it. You cut away. I got you. <laughs> You could do it cinematically. Well, you know. Well, maybe it's, maybe their match time is going to get cut. It, all I'm saying, it needs to be something big, John, because it's Drew McIntyre. I, I think the, seriously, like that's that's the match. It's like Jinder is protesting with the ref, and the bell rings, countdown, Claymore, and he loses in embarrassing fashion. I mean, they really kind of set the table here. Like this has to be a humiliating. Loss, And while these two, I'm sure, have wanted to do a real match together throughout this whole thing, that's not what this show calls for. There are 10 matches listed for Sunday, and I cannot see this one getting any meaningful time, and I'm not complaining about that either. No, no. But I'm saying, even after a squash, he's got to stab him. Okay, well, um, <laughs> that's, that's Way's plot to end Jinder Mahal. Charlotte meets up with DeVille and Pierce. She complains about being attacked, so they ask, you want to have a tag match? We have a open segment in the third hour. She turns it down because she doesn't play well with others, uh, but apparently does because she finds a partner for our tag match later on. We had a series of Elias promos. He's dead, and this featured a gravestone. Elias, 2017 to 2021. Four years, wow. Had a good run. Then it was the debut of Moist TV with John Morrison. This was next level set design. We had a children's pool and some water toy. It was, you know, it was like a flotation TV. device. Oh, I bet they felt the humidity there. Miz comes out without the wheelchair. They have some back and forth. And then Miz says that he has never lied or used John Morrison when he's asked if you faked your injury. He is not a liar. Because Morrison, we're, you know, we're, we're, we believe now, that, or they convey that Morrison was not aware that Miz was okay this entire time. He was just as surprised as, as everybody else. So Damien Priest interrupts, and Miz blames the knee injury on Priest, because he's never had an injury in 16 years. He's a two-time Grand Slam champion, and some people compete with injuries, such as Morrison, but I have kids. And he admits... That he's been cleared for weeks, which surprises Morrison, who did not realize it's been weeks that he's been cured. Morrison asks why you didn't tell him, and then Morrison suggests that Damien Priest and Miz have a match, upsetting Miz, and then Priest shoves Miz into the pool. And if you missed it, there was a slow-motion replay. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, yeah. Miz was favoring his knee. Priest pounded his chest. This is when Sheamus came out for commentary. He had to see this match up close. And Priest just beat him with the brogue kick, angering Sheamus as Priest won in 239. So there is our setup for the U.S. title match on Saturday. And 
they kind of have hinted at Miz and Morrison having some involvement at SummerSlam, but they're not in the match. No, no. Um, you know, it feels like a lot of the focus has been on Miz and Morrison, though, for this program. And, um, I, you know, I imagine they will be involved somehow. But, I mean, I think it's being set up for a big moment for Damian Priest, you know, him beating Sheamus. Although I could actually see Sheamus maybe winning with the help of Miz and Morrison because I, I can't really say that this feud, this feud to me, like, has the promise of making Damian Priest, like, feel big when he wins the belt. But I don't think it's that hot of a feud yet right now. You know, they, they might not need a little bit more before that moment feels significant. Yeah, Sheamus called him a disrespectful scumbag who will never touch his U.S. title and he will kick Priest's head off his shoulders, even with a broken face. So there could be some horrific injuries on this show on Saturday. Yeah, perhaps. And swords and heads being kicked off shoulders. Eva Marie was with Dewdrop. Said she blew it last week, but the evolution is all about second chances. Eva is going to take care of Alexa Bliss at SummerSlam and tells Dewdrop to go bring me Lily. Yep. Miz confronts Morrison backstage, and as they're talking, the New Day uh, just show up behind them with a sign that read, Buy Our Shirt. And that was their entire role on tonight's show, and Miz and Morrison came up with an idea for SummerSlam where they are going to drip, drop, and roll in the desert. I I really feel like this was just a way to get them on TV because they have not been seen from on TV since Kofi challenged for the belt. I mean, Woods beat Bobby Lashley. And the man like has no follow-up for, for what happened since then. Big title so, program post-SummerSlam. You know, they've... Um, Anyway, like they just have nothing for them. They have no place on SummerSlam and thus no reason to put them on TV. And maybe this was just like, you guys haven't been on TV for a while. You want to sneak into the background of this shot? And uh, that's that. I, I see nothing for them. At, I mean, maybe coming Maybe, maybe they'll do something with Morrison and Miz, uh, just doing some kind of like hosting segment and the New Day interrupts them and does some segment. God knows the show does not need this, but it looks like they're just trying to cram everyone onto this show. So the structure of this show is going to be very interesting if they, in fact, have to be out by 11 Eastern. Sure. Okay. We go to Alexa's playground. Dewdrop appears and grabs the doll. She is worn by Alexa, and Dewdrop gets scared and returns Lily to Alexa. I hate this program. Yeah, are we like, are we supposed to believe like Lily made like made some expression? Did Lily come to, like did Lily possess Dewdrop in the Dewdrop was frightened at what she saw. So yes. We didn't right. get a cutaway to her winking, but I guess you can let your imagination run wild as to what that expression was. Yeah, I mean, not to say like last week's special effects were really anything um <laughs> great. Award winning. But- but, you know, to do something like this, like to have, like, what is it, a dewdrop sell for a doll, like, you needed some sort of special effect there. You needed something to to just, I don't know, signify that this doll is alive or that this doll has some power. Um, just to see this was really nothing realistic that would really save it. But, um, again, you know, some people like this stuff. I haven't met them. Can you see this match being some kind of produced bit that it's not just a straight-up match? 
I hope so for their sake, you know, like something that takes place in the form of like a backstage inter- interstitial rather than a match itself. That would be nice to be fine with that. Break up the, the, the monotony um, because I don't know if otherwise you should do this match. So Friday is a big day in wrestling and it just got bigger because we've got SmackDown, the final episode before SummerSlam. We've got the first dance at 10 o'clock, but now Friday night, 8 o'clock p.m., the John Cena NFT drops. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, that's monumental. Monumental yes. day. Huge. The John Cena NFT. I hope he has to promote this on SmackDown. Uh, on the show itself, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, Baron Corbin should really get in on that. Mace versus Mansoor. This program continues. Uh, Mace missed an elbow, and then Mansoor fought back. He ducked a sidekick and then went for a sunset flip. Mace sits down and hooks the legs, but from the floor, Mustafa Ali kicks him over, and Mansoor gets the roll-up in a minute 57. So... They win and they lose in alternating weeks. Yeah, but the difference is now the baby faces have learned how to cheat. And so... Um, Great lesson. Nikki Ash has not learned that lesson yet. No, no. But, you know, like, I don't know. That's how they push baby faces now. Um, they teach them how to cheat. You see it with Dominic. You see it with... Uh, That's right. This... Um, yeah, it's fine. It's okay. It's a raw program that I don't know if, it's, if they're putting that much effort in. Um it's okay. Sarah Schreiber was with AJ Styles and Omos because AJ has more material. Omos says that he will kill the legend. That is Randy Orton tonight. AJ says that will make you the legend killer. And since I beat Riddle tonight, that makes me the moron killer. And tonight they celebrate the death of RK Bro. Mm-hmm. The moron killer. AJ Styles. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, he's going to send them off the edge of the earth tonight. <sighs> yes. So Omos versus Randy Orton, my most curious match of the night. Randy immediately goes for an RKO. It is blocked. He goes for a punch. Omos catches the fist, scoops up Orton for a slam, and then grips Orton's head. He misses Orton in the corner. Orton tries for another RKO. He is shoved to the floor. Omos did have to do some selling here. It was not pretty. And then with Orton on the floor, AJ just kicks him in the ribs, and they call for the DQ in 346. And they, the announcers tried to imply that AJ cost his partner the match, even though Omos was dominating things. We were robbed of this match after 3 minutes and 46 seconds. Yeah, uh, were you upset about that? This was not good. I did not need to see another three minutes and 46 seconds of it. it I think it's what you expect from Omos and Randy Orton. I just, um, I mean, I don't I don't know if, if I would have expected a finish either way, but it's pretty lame because they're unwilling to book either guy that they even book a match like this. It's just the way, I think, to promote the match and then not deliver a finish, but... You know, in the end, it's just um, part of my conditioning to not really care about wins and losses on Raw. 
They roll Randy back into the ring. He gets tossed over the barricade as AJ is setting up for the phenomenal forearm. Riddle runs down, attacking Omos, and he clears the ring. Riddle then lifts up Randy, and Randy says that Riddle, respect is not given. It's earned. Even after last week and tonight, you had my back. You've earned my respect. RK Bro is back. They shook hands, they hugged, the people rejoiced, and Riddle said, Randy, you make me so happy. And with that, happiness equals number one contenders for the Raw Tag Team titles, and they will challenge AJ and Omos on Saturday. Yeah, sure. This is way easier than having to go through a gauntlet or a tournament. This was an easy path to the championship. All they had to do was ha- form a friendship. Well, the conditions were really perfect for it, John. Like, they were standing in the ring. They had microphones. They were looking at the champions. They had air Perfect time. storm. Yeah, really. I think that's probably in the rule book. You know, make sure that you're... All you have to do is make sure you're telling them, and it, 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 it shall be done. So, you know, it's a team that's working. They've been getting a lot of airtime. It feels like they are the main attraction on Raw, really, like in terms of how this much. This was the second week in a row. This was like this, what pretty much everything was built around. Like you did have the Goldberg uh, appearance, but this was the show long story. More so than Goldberg and Lashley. This feels like it dominates Raw. And the audience reacts really well to it. You know, I I have to say like the will they, won't they, I, I think, I don't know how long they can drag it. Because like even this month, it's to me... It was enough. And can they... Because, like, Orton... The tone of Orton's promo was very much like... Yeah, you know, uh, we're back together. But wink, wink, I'm probably going to just RKO you the moment we win the belt or something like that. And uh, how long are they are they going to drag out this? Will they, won't they? How long can they? Can they? I mean, this was the peak out? of it. I, I don't know what more you can do after this. Like, this was the big moment of them coming together. And, yeah, you can give them a run with the tag titles... Um, coming out of this, I think like there's some legs to this, these two as a team, but I think like the whole buildup, like this is, this is Otis and Mandy Rose getting together. It's like the whole intrigue is building up to that, that big uh, culmination. And that's kind of what this was tonight. I mean, I kind of see it more as Jericho and Owens where like one month they'll get back together and then the next month they won't, or even Bailey and Sasha, maybe a more recent comparison. You know, week after week or month after month, it, it, it'll sort of be a tease before they break up again. But will this have as many legs? I don't know. It certainly has the audience's interest, I think. Jeff Hardy is in the back. He wants a rematch with Karrion Cross. Why? Because I'm angry. And Jeff's higher power told him that Karrion Cross made a mistake and he better check his hourglass because his 15 minutes of fame are almost up. Well, they did not have 15 seconds. They got 50 seconds of fame here because a twist of fate was stopped, Cross Jacket, and Karrion Cross submitted Jeff Hardy in 50 seconds. So it looks like Karrion Cross is moving on from the Jeff Hardy stage of his raw development. Well, that depends on whether or not this is a best of three or a best of five or a best of seven. It's not, it wasn't as definitive as it could be. I still have questions of how competitive <laughs> this could be. I would like a few more samples <laughs> um so yeah you know uh, theoretically he wins the feud um but i'm sorry in the it took him one month to do 
what it should have taken him five minutes to do in his raw debut. Okay. In the end, like <laughs> he struggled against Jeff Hardy. And yes, this one win was very emphatic, but you, you know, at this point you're the damage is done. You've established carrying cross as a mid card guy. And short of having man, him just come in, come in after the world title match and kill Lashley. Um, then maybe we could talk again, but I just, he, you've established firmly a mid card, NXT champion. Yes. These are the folks that would have had Hugh Morris beat Bill Goldberg, and then you start the streak. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Just watching this, like, it's, you know, in putting him over in this dominant away, do you see him just losing to Samoa Joe on Sunday, and that's the end of his NXT run? Oh, man, it's... I, I find that really curious, you know, how much... Because we know, like, Raw doesn't give a shit how NXT books these guys. Does that go both ways? You know, are these two worlds, like, no longer connected? And does NXT no longer care how Cross is being booked? I mean, you, you would probably... It's an interesting match when you... Like, that's going to give us the answer. Like, logic dictates, like, this guy's moving on. He should drop the title. But I could also see the argument from the Raw side that... We don't want this guy going 20 minutes and losing to someone that is not on our main roster and figure out an alternate way because carrying cross is the priority, not Samoa Joe for us, nor the NXT title. Yeah, but you know, if it's a screwy finish, I mean, you're really going to turn off a crowd and an audience that, that already is very kind of, you know, probably leery on NXT based off of all that news. Um can cross man win either way i I think he leaves without the title you, like this is your one opportunity to do it and then how do you explain it on raw the next day what if there's a cutaway to the hourglass and it winks at samoa joe and carrying cross <laughs> winking hourglass yes yes it's got a it's got a uh the hourglass has eyes um that would be a unique way it's yeah. a life form scarlet is the hourglass Wow. Okay. Back to this stuff. Eva Marie. <laughs> Dewdrop comes up and Eva Marie goes, Jeez Louise, where's Lily? She scolds Dewdrop like a child and asks her, Do you know what it feels like to be slapped in the face? Because that's what this feels like by you not bringing Lily. So she slaps her. And I swear it was like, it wasn't a good enough slap. So she just slapped her a second time. That's how it feels. So Eva Marie leaves and Dewdrop is left there to ponder her life choices aligning with Eva Marie. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor Dewdrop. You know, got slapped twice and got haunted in the same episode. Yeah, this has been a traumatic raw for Dewdrop. And what did we get next? We got Reggie, but not Reggie in the arena. It was Reggie out and about. What does Reggie do in his spare time? A question I was asking. He goes to the parkway. Why? Because it's in the park where he did his very first backflip. He explains he did not have the safest childhood, but when he was at the park, he could be his true self. Yeah, cool. Hell of a park he went to. So in the background is Tozawa hiding in a trash can and R-Truth dressed up as the swamp thing. And 
what we got was Reggie being chased. He hangs onto a tree branch as R-Truth flies past him, then does a flip over his car and drives off. I actually thought, like, some of this stuff was pretty impressive. Uh, this know, is like... what I was clamoring for. Like, I don't need to see all this stuff. Go out and do all this crazy stuff. Go to the supermarket. Go to the library. Go to, uh, I don't know, a vaccination clinic. I don't know. Uh, go, go wherever. See, I feel like you need permits for a lot of those places. And, I mean, this is the WWE. Of course they can get them. But, man, something tells me they just film all of this, like, the day of. You know, like they come up with the idea the the day of and then they just go out there and do it. So I would love to see that. So maybe next week we get something like it. But I you know like there's something to be said about Reggie because he he really makes all of this stuff look pretty effortless. And these are all one takes, you know, one whole take. So all of that is actually quite impressive when you think they, about they it. They could Even film though... some fun stuff like that weekend in Vegas and then air it on Raw. Like there's okay. some fun stuff Like you, you have to be able to come up with a two minute vignette in vegas and just send him out do something he fun should, he should go to the cirque de soleil yes he should that'd be great they run through the SummerSlam card and then nikki ash and rhea ripley versus charlotte flair and her partner the woman that took her out of action last year nia Jax. the explanation for this just accept it she's the partner well time heals all wounds yes and time also heals physical wounds that Charlotte had to uh, sell for that big attack last year. Naya was just, she started doing a stink face on Nikki and is bullying her. They go through the break. Ripley gets the hot tag and sends Jax off the apron, hits a spinning wheel kick to Flair and a bridging Northern Lights. Ripley then misses off the top with a missile drop kick. They show Shayna Baszler in the back, just watching with a deck of cards. There's no follow-up on this, but she is watching. Jax hits a Samoan drop onto Ripley, but then Flair tags Jax, who looks annoyed that the tag is being made, boots Nikki off the apron, and with Ripley just sitting there, eats a natural selection, and Charlotte pins Rhea Ripley. The momentum train has come to a screeching halt over these last few weeks, which I will now <laughs> recap way. Yes, the please. night after Money in the Bank... Rhea Ripley beats Charlotte by DQ. Moments later, Nikki cashes in and pins Charlotte. One week later, Charlotte pins Nikki. The next week, Nikki beats Charlotte. The next week, Nikki beats Rhea by DQ when Charlotte interferes. Tonight, Ripley pins Nikki. And then, Flair pins Ripley in the tag match. So this is, this is a new frontier. Because all of us complain about 50-50 booking, but we have not been exposed to enough 33 and a third, 33 and a third, 33 and a third booking. So, bravo. They have done a masterful job of making all three components feel inconsequential going into the show on Saturday. That is very impressive. Uh, very impressive calculating work. And, um, you know, it's uh, it should be a great match anyone could uh, win and anyone could lose i don't know what's gonna happen i mean here's the thing is that like yeah like <laughs> the feuds or the builds have always been bad i mean rhea ripley and charlotte was to me one of the worst feuds of the year it probably still is but the matches are typically pretty good so we can complain about all the all this all we want there's a good chance we will come out of sunday 
applauding this match because the talent's there and whenever these wrestlers are allowed to go they typically kind of you know make us forget about some of this stuff so hopefully that'll be the case on friday on sunday saturday sorry saturday kevin patrick with aj once again and he asks what chances do rk bro have against us we've beaten everyone elias and jackson Riker. The Viking Raiders, the New Day, it's just us two left. They have gone through the Raw Tag Division way. And yeah. What a division it is when you list it like that. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I mean, I think that's why Randy Orton and Matt Riddle were able to just get a... No one was contesting this. There's no other teams yeah. to contest this. New exactly. Day was like, you know what? They, they deserve it. Yeah. Buy our shirt. Yeah. The yeah. Viking Raiders, God knows what they're up to. And Elias is dead. So, mm-hmm. anyway. And Jackson Riker. What happened to Jackson Riker? They must have lost interest. Man. He won that uh, Symphony of Destruction. Have we seen him since? I don't think so. No. Bill Goldberg is out for the final segment. And he notes how Lashley and MVP have been bringing up his son, Gage. And he mentions that he has moved his family here to Texas. And there is Gage in the front row. The second most popular gauge in pro wrestling over the past 30 days. And he points him out, and there he is, uh, appeared to be with his entire football team in the front row. And he tells his son he is the reason he has come out of retirement. You can go online and see videos of who Goldberg was, but that's not going to cut it. You need to experience who Goldberg is, who your father is. This prompts Lashley and MVP to walk out. And MVP says that Goldberg is doing a lot more talking because you're overcompensating. He thinks that you can be the Goldberg of old. Well, you know it's going to be different this time because Lashley is more dangerous, more dominant, more explosive. Lashley calls him stubborn and hard-headed. The house always wins. And I'm going to leave you Saturday with just enough left to tell your family and friends that you had the privilege of having your career ended by Lashley. So Goldberg comes back. Lashley? That's bullshit. And Lashley throws this clothesline. And Goldberg hit what was really like a light takedown. It was identified as a spear. This was not the most explosive physicality to sell you on this. But Bill leaves with Gage, who just left his friends all there. And then, as Bill is at the top of the ramp with Gage, we got the ultimate go-home line that has sold me on this way. Bill yells, My son! Don't touch my boy! Ever! Done. I'm ready for this match, Way. Don't touch my boy! Ever! Right. Yeah. Um... Dude, I, I, I love this Bill Goldberg. He's just got, like, an appeal here. Who cannot root for this father who's going to fight for his son on Saturday? I can't. Um, he's, it's, 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 um, I don't know. I thought, I think it works a little better when it's, like, when the kid's, like, 12. This is, like, a teenager, Dude, man. Gage is, like, like, yeah, he's, I'm, he I'm looks imba- completely different than, I mean, 
you know, he's he's what sixteen now. So like the last time we saw him, he was like eleven, probably. I'm 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 kind of embarrassed for this kid. You know, it's like this kid should be fine. Anyway, no, it's it's fine. It's okay. It's a uh, it's to me this was a pretty by the numbers sort of face to face. Um, didn't really achieve any significant level of heat in my opinion. The lines were okay. It they were serviceable, but really nothing all that memorable. And um, I mean, I'm I'm just looking forward to Gage turning on Dad. Oh, you just uh, come on! What a what make a this, pessimist! Make this thing interesting. Have him align. Have him join the hurt business. Have the hurt business corrupt him. Well, th- this was not uh, this was not Braden Harrington cutting a promo, which is the most anticipated uh, match for SummerSlam weekend. They they could learn from them, I think. Up next summer, coming right up. Man, I I thought I thought Braden had really set the bar high. But then we got Davey Portman with that. I, ha- I haven't seen it. Have yet. you not seen this? Mm-mm. Man, there is. Well, I feel like I, I'm spoiling it for you, but there. It's okay. Davey Portman has dropped the challenge on John Ceno. They are going to have a rap battle. What? Davey wow. calling out Ceno. Wow. I think Ceno has a lot more to lose. To be quite honest with you, Casino has, I mean, established a career in hip hop. I, I don't, I don't want to give out my theories, but I think at the end of this, I think it's going to be brilliant. That's all I'm going to say. What? Really? Yeah. What does that mean? I can see what's at play, and I think that it's. Uh, I, I think that by the end of SummerSlam weekend, I think we're going to be talking about Summerfest more than SummerSlam. What? We're up next summer. What? What is it called? Yeah, up next summer. Okay, up next summer. I just Jeremy Piven that. What do you mean? Like, are you a part of this or something? What, I'm not part of anything. No, I'm just a spectator. I'm a spectator like te- everybody else. What are you else. teasing here? What are you teasing here? What's going on? No, I'm now totally... now, you, now you're teasing something that does not exist. I'm stating a fact. Oh, okay. So you think we'll be talking about their their game more than SummerSlam? Listen, they they have had some incredible games. I think this is going to be high up there. I think so too. They're always a uh, a lot of fun. Are you are you going to be appearing on this? No, no, no. Oh. I I can't even do our our podcast, dude. So I I don't think so. But I will probably watch it at some point or listen to it at some point. That was raw. Before we uh go to feedback, I omitted maybe the biggest story of all way. What's that? showbuzzdaily.com Back. Back from the dead. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, I my eyes are deceiving me as I see the yellow with shades of green and light orange, the color coding that is just engulfing my world. It's back. It's alive. It's, honestly, this is like about some 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 of the weirdest um I don't know, events I've seen associated with a website. Like, what industry website that, like, people go to for a, as a legitimate source of information can live and die by, like, I don't know, such sensitive means? It's, like, it's like one dude running it or something. It's two guys. And, like, the, two guys, and, like, some, what, they lost access to their web uh, server or something. It's the weirdest thing ever, and uh, I guess you can all enjoy it while it's there. It is back. Let's move on to the forum. We're going to get everyone's feedback for this episode of Raw. Has this 
Uh, let, let's give the update here. We will preview SummerSlam later this week, but this is our lineup as of now. Uh, Roman Reigns versus John Cena. Bobby Lashley versus Goldberg. Nikki Ash, Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's title. The Usos against the Mysterios for the SmackDown tag titles. Uh, Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's title. Edge versus Seth Rollins. Shayna, uh, sorry, Shayna. Sheamus versus Damian Priest for the U.S. title. Drew McIntyre versus Jinder Mahal, where Veer and Shanky are banned from ringside. Angela is not banned from ringside. Eva Marie versus Alexa Bliss. And AJ and Omos versus RK Pro for the Raw tag titles. Ten matches. Uh, I would think at least one ends up on the kickoff. And given this lineup, maybe they should try and get a second one onto the kickoff in that hour. Yeah, I'm looking at. I don't know why Eva Marie and Alexa Bliss had to be on this show. Um, seriously, maybe they have something more of a segment plan between those two. Because you're right, the, like a straight wrestling match. This uh, that makes no sense to me. That's a TV match at best. I can also see, like, I mean, I, you know, we'll see what happens with Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks at this moment. Maybe they wanted another. I mean, another... That's, that's certainly the status um, people are going to be questioning. Uh, we will see what happens there. But of these matches, like, you figure Reigns and Cena is going to have to have time. And I think Edge and Rollins is going to have time. Like, I see both of those going minimum 20. Sure. And I think those matches actually deserve that. Lastly, and Goldberg, I think will be fast. Um, you know, Jinder and Drew will be fast. Um, Sheamus and Priest, you know, I'm sure like I don't know, some Miz and Morrison shenanigans might drag that out to like a solid ten or, or so. Uh, should be all right. But man, it's like uh, you know, RK Bro and AJ Styles. I they're, they're a popular team, so they'll probably get some time too. Um, four hours? Is that the window? What's the window? Three? I mean, the kickoff is seven till eight, and then the pay per view is eight till eleven. And they have to be out by 11. Well, that that's what they've been saying because of the Pacquiao fight, even though, I mean, it is a different opponent. But nonetheless, that, that fight is still happening. Okay, well, we'll see. We will see. We will see uh, how rigid they are with uh, time commitments. So there you go. That is SummerSlam. Let's go on over to the forum. Uh, wait, do you want to read the poll results for tonight's Raw? Out of 10, you guys voted this Raw a 3.88. We start off with Kate from Montreal, who will be joining John and Nate to review SummerSlam this Saturday. She says, I'm hoping that the SmackDown side of SummerSlam really delivers because as of tonight's go-home show, there's not a lot that is exciting me. Lashley versus Goldberg feels moribund. The women's triple threat hasn't really given me anyone to cheer for. And unless there's an actual beheading, I don't see how Drew and Jinder is going to bring much excitement. You two are both just uh, very dark in this well, the, lead up. The issue is it's just such a f- vanilla match. You know, like even Drew like squashing Jinder, there's no sizzle attached to it. Okay. And I'm not, I, I want a cinematic, safe, hokey, over the top, you know, beheading using the same special effects budget they have for Lily and Alexa Bliss. Like, I want to see something ridiculous. Then, right, then it to... really should have been Elias, and they do a cinematic beheading, and then Elias is dead. Um, well, you know what? Uh, that's a missed opportunity, I suppose. That, that's how wacky WWE booking has been in the last year, that this is like, like that, that could have been something like they actually concocted over this past year. When eyeballs have fallen out, dudes have been lit on fire. I mean, they've just, they've run the gamut that you can just throw out these insane scenarios and they, they're, they're not insane in the world of WWE. 
The brightest lights from Raw are currently Priest and Sheamus, which should at least be a solid match, and RK Bro, who remain the one thing on the show that audiences are consistently getting behind. I feel like if they'd moved the story along a little faster, we could have had Miz and Morrison split and go one-on-one at SummerSlam. When it does happen, I suspect that will be entertaining. I was truly not prepared to see Naya, the woman who brought us, ow, my hole, debut a sort of new age stink face maneuver as part of her tag match with Charlotte. Her inclusion in that seemed weird unless she's going to be the challenger for Charlotte post-slam. Yeah, they're definitely cooking something up with Naya and Charlotte, I thought. Um, and Baszler like, is inserted in there, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it definitely felt like odd timing to introduce, you know, a new character like that. But um, I guess they wanted to do the three-way without doing a three-way. You know I mean, it, the segment needed to end with Charlotte pinning Rhea Ripley so we could achieve the 33 and a third booking. Um, and I guess they didn't want to do the match before Sunday, Saturday. I guess so. Uh, MJ writes here, this was the go home show for the biggest SummerSlam of all time. Uh, I don't know about that on a week featuring one of the biggest stars of the last decade, returning to not competition and the few segments of raw I caught felt as uninspired as anything the company did over the past 18 months. Did WWE just give up on owning the news cycle going into SummerSlam? Are they defeated? They can't even dig deep and create a noteworthy go-home show for the 40,000 seats they sold. WWE has been in the news section of your shows for roster cuts and who's not in the company more than anything else. They have zero momentum on the Raw side and are relying heavily on Cena returning, who himself is even winking at the CM Punk return. I couldn't tell you if SummerSlam was this week or next weekend, and I keep up with that stuff. Uh, is it fair to say, speaking, WWE has, is it fair to say, objectively speaking, that WWE has never been lower while about to run their biggest SummerSlam ever? The novelty of WWE fans being back is gone. The headlines are for the wrong reasons. The returning stars barely make a dent and are borderline not wanted by many groups of fans. Uh, I just don't look at, I think, the correlation between interest in a show versus the presentation on television. Really, like they have gotten to a point where I think people look at this as a big show, regardless of the creative uh, Cena Reigns feels like a legit big match. They have sold an um, an immense amount of tickets for this show. I still feel there is a buzz for this show, but it's not coming out of you know your your creative. It's not coming out of Raw specifically. Raw has been pretty abysmal heading into you know SummerSlam, um, SmackDown. I think you have uh, you know a number of decent programs like. As much as I might pan the Seth Rollins character, Seth Rollins versus Edge feels like it's a pretty big deal. But on the Raw side of things, even Goldberg Lashley, I mean, I I think the feud has been somewhat uninspired. Uh, you know, great promos from Lashley and MVP aside, but there's really not much juice to the to to this beyond seeing two you know like monsters going at it. Uh, and I age. think knowing the formula, like you're not mm-hmm. looking at this as like you know Reigns and Cena, like they should be booked to have like you know, an electric match. And with Goldberg, it's like, is it the novelty of seeing Goldberg get pinned? No, we've, we saw that in January. Is it the idea of doing like, uh, Goldberg beating Lashley? You've seen him have the title. Like, I think, you know, it is going to be diminishing returns with Goldberg and they are, you know, with this two match deal per year, you can only come up with so many different scenarios for him. And the audience is, aware of the fact of, you know, this guy is not going out there and doing much more than five, six minutes, which that's Mm -hmm. the way to book him. 
but it's also not going to be the most dynamic match on the show. You know, as far as dominating the news cycle, I mean, I I really just don't think WWE cares either way. You know, I believe their philosophy going into this surrounding all the CM Punk and Daniel Bryan um, buzz or forbidden door buzz is to just kind of put their blinders on and not care and think of the rest of the world as sort of this, yeah, that's the indie stuff we don't have to worry about. Well, I mean, you know, a million people on Wednesday will, will feel otherwise. Um, it will be six. interesting this week, like, you know, WWE, it's like their talent is going to be all over the media this week leading up to SummerSlam. And how much is focused? Like, the punk stuff is going to be big, but, you know, for this week, uh, SummerSlam is going to probably be covered in a lot of non-traditional wrestling spaces that are going to have their talent all over the place doing doing a lot of, of coverage. And especially uh, in Vegas, I'm very curious to see how much attention it gets uh, versus, like, Pacquiao coverage. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, it is a large gathering, the largest gathering we've had here for this sport since the pandemic. Uh, and that in itself might, you know, create some headlines. But, you know, like the stories coming out of like go the mainstream stories going into SummerSlam and even coming out of SummerSlam aren't going to be about the creative drought that Raw is experiencing at the moment. It's going to be about, you know, like them filling this arena and um, coming back from the pandemic and and having like know. a really good like live event return like they've they've had mm-hmm. a very good summer and you know cena has meant uh, a lot in that sense like there is not necessarily like a shortage of of areas wwe can point to uh away from creative but nor is that going to be the focus this week it's going to be on i just think how much attention you get from uh, your partners at NBC, what is going to be the level of buzz for SummerSlam and knowing that Friday night, um, that's going to be an enormous story. And does that at all overshadow Saturday to me? It's like everything in the lead up this week. Um, there's going to be a lot of attention on SummerSlam, but I mean, Friday night, that's, that is going to gain a lot of, a, a lot of interest in terms of business though. I, I mean, I, I think if you're a wrestling fan, most of us are probably going to be watching both shows. You know, if you're if you're a fan dedicated enough to care about the uh, uh, CM Punk, you're probably going to be at least curious about a Reigns versus Cena or some of the other events happening during a SummerSlam. So um, I don't think... I mean, the conversation will probably be a bit of both, I, I would have to guess, coming out of the news cycle. But, you know, certainly Punk coming out on, out on Friday is is going to be a big, th- big thing for our particular circles. Yeah. It's going to be a very big week. We will have you covered here at Post Wrestling. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for downloading, checking out the show live to all the people in the Zoom room. So we're back on Tuesday. It is Pollock and Ting Talk, Volume 2, coming out for all cafe members. And then Wednesday night, we are live at the early hour of 10.15 p.m. Eastern Time. It's our earliest show, Wednesdays. I love Well, them. listen, I mean, there's there's Don't a room out it. there. Don't even say it. Hey, uh, NWA, MLW, listen, uh, t- uh, 10 o'clock on a Wednesday. Come on, I got nothing to do. You know, what do, what do I need? An extra hour of sleep? Are you kidding me? I need to watch more wrestling. So uh, fill that up for us, please. These shows kicked my ass over the weekend. Um, but hey, we are ready for all of it this week. There's a lot of wrestling uh, coming down this week. So... Keep it locked to postwrestling.com. Whole schedule is up there for the week. And Way, 
Uh, I look forward to Tuesday and our chance to talk.